0: Welcome, I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I'm Tony. We are knee-deep in tech. This is episode 95, recorded at Microsoft Ignite in Orlando. It is Thursday, and Simon has found another guest.
1: Are you talking about the pro or about Kenny? We are talking about the guest, not your uh, new toy.
2: Inanimate object can't talk. (laughs) You know that, right?
3: So, welcome Kenny. Who are you and what do you do? Who am I and what do I do? I am uh, Kenny Lowe. I work at Dell Technologies in the Azure Tech product group. Uh, Actually, that's wrong. It's the Azure Tech Hub product group Uh. now, as it's been rebranded this week. Uh, We have a lot of (laughs) rebranding this week that we have to get our heads around now, so uh, you go to a lot of sessions and you hear people say, oh, Databox Edge, oh wait, no, Azure Tech Edge, over and over again, even the Microsoft people are tripping up uh, over and over again. and I'm also an Azure Stack Hub MVP. So, so what do you do? Because
1: we bump into one another at conferences and everywhere in the world. So, what are you doing at in or what are you doing in your role?
3: Yeah. So, uh, the, my team is uh, six people. There are two of us in the Americas, two in EMEA and two in uh, Asia Pacific, Japan. Uh, and we're really there to be the, the customer face or the, the face of the product group out in the field. So yep. we're there to do field enablement for our salespeople, our pre people, for our partners, for our customers. We're there to do evangelism, to do uh, like marketing stuff as well. So really just to help people understand everything that they can about Azure Stack Hub and how to get the most of it. Yeah. Cool. And I, I,
0: I vividly remember Azure Stack as it was called when it came out, before it was called Azure Stack Hub, that There were so many preconceptions of what you could do with this piece of hardware. And it it was basically supposed to solve all the problems in the world. And it kind of felt like a bit of a lame duck Mm. because nobody knew what to do with it. It was expensive as heck. And again, you couldn't do anything with it because there were no services in it. But we've kind of come a long way since then. Could you talk a bit about the the development of of this and, and what happened and
3: where we're at today? Sure. I mean, you're not wrong with what you say. There was a lot of confusion around what it was for, what you could do with it when it first came out. Um, We're getting a lot further than that. Actually, that's one of the reasons my team exists is because people don't understand what you can use it for, what it's there for, why you you would want it. And when you compare it to a traditional virtualization platform, for example, it can look expensive but when you compare it to other cloud platforms on-premises and how you would deploy those and manage those, actually it's very cost-effective. The key with Azure Stack Hub is never to think of it as a a virtualization platform replacement or b, an Azure replacement. Azure Stack Hub is there for when you want to use Azure but you can't for some reason. So it could be because of regulatory compliance requirements, it could be because of data sovereignty, because of um, bandwidth constraints or connectivity constraints. All these reasons that you can't use Azure for, well now you can take Azure and put it on premises. Because kind of Azure in the box. Exactly.
0: Huh. So the, the main uh, thing that people always say, well think of, think of a cruise ship. It's because yeah. you need to put something on a cruise ship and cruise ships generally don't do internet. But so. How does it work? What can you do with an Azure Stack Hub that, well, I mean, do you just run VMs or what do you do?
3: So, uh, first of all, I draw a distinction between running VMs and infrastructure as a service. Infrastructure as a service is a very different thing to running virtualization. Uh, Doing things like infrastructure as code and uh, full DevOps model and managing uh, your, your IaaS VMs this is a very different proposition to running a Hyper-V or VMware estate. So yes, you can run IaaS in Azure Stack Hub, and you run it in the same way as you do in, uh, in full-blown Azure as well. This is the same code, by the way. This isn't uh, Azure-like or Azure-lite. This is the same code as we run yep. in Azure, running in Azure Stack Hub on-premises. So we get Azure Resource Manager, we get the same portal experience, the same APIs, the same PowerShell modules, all the same stuff that you run your Azure services with, you get an Azure Stack Hub as well. So we have the core IaaS features, so you can run IaaS, you get the same uh, storage features, blob table queue storage, all the same networking features that you'd expect, well most of the same networking features that you'd expect. And um, Then on top of that, we have some of the PaaS features as well. We have the Azure App Service, which is one of the most used features in public Azure today for running websites. We have Azure Functions uh, running in there as well. We have uh, a SQL resource provider, we have a MySQL resource provider, we have IoT Hub, Event Hubs. We have uh, AKS coming into uh, public preview now as well. A whole bunch of stuff.
2: Azure Active Directory?
3: We don't have Azure Active Directory. Actually, you know what? I I always think of Azure Active Directory as a completely separate service to Azure uh, because you don't need an Azure subscription for Mm -hmm. Azure Active Directory. You don't need an Office 365 subscription for it. I think of it as a completely separate service personally. And I, I go to the... Uh, AAD portal to manage it, so there's an aad.portal.azure.com for managing it separately from all your other services, and I, I just think of it in a box to itself.
2: Yeah, yeah that makes sense in that situation, yeah. 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 So uh, um, we,
3: we, we, we can integrate it with Azure Active Directory for identity, so you can use Azure Active Directory as your point of sign-in for it, so you can sign into Azure and Azure Stack Hub with the same credentials, the same user account, and have the same controller. So if
0: we go back to our cruise ship, and how would you do user provisioning and, and, and authentication of that kind of stuff if you do not have Azure AD?
3: Yeah, we use ADFS for that. So you have a local active directory uh, and you federate that with ADFS to your Azure Stack Hub and you can log in there.
0: And you're running that on an IIS VM on the stack, or how would you, you, do you would that? run that in a
3: separate? Uh, okay, completely separate. Yes. right, right, yeah. absolutely. We
2: yeah. actually spoke about this with uh, Sam the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this exact example, actually, yeah. in the case of the ship, the cruise ship. Right. So ADFS and on-prem AD for those kind of authentications.
1: Cool. And and what about this rebranding? Because now Azure Stack seems to be the family and then you have a different products in that family. So what other products have been announced and what are they used for?
3: Yeah, so Azure Stack, as you say, has been rebranded to Azure Stack Hub. Azure Stack is now a family of products, which is Azure Stack Edge, which was Databox Edge. Yep. So this is a one U appliance that you can buy from the Azure portal. It gets shipped to you and you use it really for um, image inferencing and video inferencing it at, at the Edge. So when you have, you're have you generating a load of image data or video data at the edge, you don't necessarily want to send all that up to public Azure uh, to run machine learning against. You want to do that at the edge because it's far more cost effective to do there, but also you can get real-time analytics there, which you can't necessarily get if you have to go all the way to Azure and all the way back. So important for things like factory floors, for uh, mining, for uh, oil rigs, for cruise ships, all, all these yep. things as well. Um, so that's Azure Stack Edge. We have Azure Stack Hub, which we just chatted about. That is the... Actually, I I think it's important to say that the name isn't picked at random. This is the hub of the hybrid story now. This is the core, the nucleus of the new Microsoft hybrid story. It's really important because it's the only piece of this hybrid story on-premises which has Azure Resource Manager. And Azure Resource Manager really is the secret sauce of the whole Azure story. It is what allows all the management capabilities, all the services underneath. Azure Resource Manager is is the thing we need to care about uh, a lot here. And Azure Stack Hub brings that on-premises when you can't use public Azure. Um, And then we have Azure Stack HCI, which is a traditional virtualization platform when what you need to run is your traditional on-premises VMs. uh, And you don't want to change how you manage, you don't want to change how you operate these things. And it's effectively a hardware validation program to make sure you get the best Hyper-V platform that you can run.
1: But how would an Azure Stack HCI integrate with an Azure Stack Hub, as an example? If you need both, yeah. So Since it's, it's two, like you said, it's two different worlds, really.
3: So it's all about the workloads, right? So first of all, um, Natalia McCavages, who's the um, senior PM who owns Azure Stack, she did a session earlier this week about that, um, about how you would integrate these together. Now, unfortunately, I missed that, so I need to catch up on it. But <laughs> I'm told that that there were compelling examples of how to integrate Azure Stack Hub and Azure Stack HCI. Now we actually have uh, customers out in the wild doing this today. Uh, So we have a a case study with uh, KPMG Norway actually. Um, So this is a public case study so I can talk about it, it's fine. Uh, But they use Azure Stack uh, Hub and Azure Stack HCI, and they run their SQL workloads on the Azure Stack HCI, uh, and they connect those to the Azure Stack Hub using the SQL resource provider in there. So they can provision new databases, using the Azure Resource Manager, using the functionality within there, and those workloads then run on the Azure Stack HCI beside it. So they get the best SQL platform there, and they get all the management tools and the experience, and developer experience of Azure Resource Manager with Azure Stack Hub. It's pretty powerful stuff. Cool.
0: It sounds like it. And this segues pretty neatly into Azure Arc. Mm. Yep,
2: my thoughts exactly.
0: And. Being a data guy, I immediately perked up when someone said you can run your managed instance on prem and get access to all the neat features of of running it in Azure. But how does it work? Uh, b- what is it? What, what is, is it, form? and how does
3: yeah. it work? Yeah, these are big, big questions <laughs> now because I think that out of all the announcements that happened at Microsoft Ignite this year, Azure Arc is the biggest and yep. it's going to have the biggest ripples through our industry. The uh, Biggest arcs, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, so. What is Azure Arc? Well, it's, it's really three things just now. So first of all, there's Azure Arc for servers, and what that's designed to do is to allow you to manage all your existing on-premises servers using Azure, so using the Azure portal. So you can install an agent on all of your servers on-premises. Those get projected back into the Azure portal, and you can manage them there. So you can do things like tagging and Azure policy and resource governance and things like that against all these VMs, or physical servers in fact. In the Azure portal, wherever they're running, these could be running in a VMware estate, a Hyper-V estate, in AWS, in Google, wherever. You're projecting all of them back to the Azure portal and managing them in one unified place. So this is about governance and management and policy and things like that, um, and it gives a unified pane of glass for doing all of that stuff. So before we continue,
1: how does that then differ from Windows Admin Center?
3: So. It's a good question because there's overlap there. There is some overlap there. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's entirely clear where the, the right thing is yeah. for this just now. Um, certainly, I need to, to think on this and mull on this some more. Um, yeah. But for anyone that's using Azure today, that is already the portal they log in to manage everything in Azure. So making that the place they log into to manage everything else as well unifies that experience for them, makes that easier for them. Uh, and gives a lot of the, the power of... Uh, Azure Resource Manager as we talked about to them there. Yep. So all the things like uh, tagging and Azure Policy, which is really powerful by the way, um, yep. we get now across our entire state.
2: Yeah, my thoughts were actually a bit more on the uh, Azure Security Center side of things because you did have an agent or do have an agent for that one as well, for on-prem servers or servers in ABS or whatever yep. where w- wherever they might be. So if I remember correctly, that was like $15 per on-prem or off-site from Azure, so to speak, per server. So, is this like a uh, complementary thing to that? Is it going to replace that or are there just no, no like connection between the two?
3: Um, so, I think that they're complementary, yep. that is as well is as not clear to us yet. Um, what I've heard is that Azure Arc is going to be available for free, uh, yep. we'll have that validated. but. Uh, I've heard that the for the management there, Azure Arc will be free, mm-hmm. um, and that makes sense because it brings you into the Azure portal yeah. to use other services, you can understand why they would do that. Yeah. Um, Azure Security Center is bringing additional value and functionality there to your on-premise service, so it makes sense to charge for that.
1: So that would be the other thing, so it can manage all your servers and all your services regardless of where they are, Security Center would be the other part?
3: No, actually the, okay. the, the other two parts are um, Azure Arc for Kubernetes and Azure Arc uh, for data services. Yeah. So Azure Arc for Kubernetes allows you to use uh, Azure Management for managing your Kubernetes instances wherever they are. So you could have a Kubernetes instance on premises. You connect that into Azure Arc, and then you have one unified way to uh, deploy to and manage that as well.
2: Yep. yep, that's the one we were talking about. You know, the you can have it in your closet, pretty much. Yeah, like a yeah. server mm-hmm. rack. Put you U in your closet.
3: Yep. Yep, you can do that and then the uh, Azure Arc for data services is about bringing things like Azure SQL Managed Instances and Postgres uh, on-premises exactly as you have it in public Azure today. So the way they do this is that they um, they containerize that and they push it out to a Kubernetes endpoint that you have on-premises. So your prerequisite is that you have a Kubernetes cluster running on-premises, you have that connected into Azure Arc, and if you have that, then they can sort of squirt down these data services to run on-premises wherever you need them to which is pretty powerful again. And all this is bringing the power of Azure Resource Manager to your on-premises workloads. When you can use Azure, we still have Azure Tech Hub for when you can't. Yeah. So it, it's, it's complementary to Azure Tech Hub as well. So it doesn't replace Azure Tech Hub, it complements it and, and actually enhances it in some ways as well.
2: Yeah, it really sounds like they're covering all the bases pretty much.
0: Oh yeah, and then this is just the beginning. I mean, we, we are still just talking about managed instance and the Postgres the hyperscale tier mm. and I would assume that we're going to see all the different data um, services eventually get pushed down through the Azure Arc and that is that is mind-blowing yeah. to be to be honest. I mean for, for one thing unified management that's that's awesome but being able to use things like uh, ATP threat protection and, and all that kind of stuff on-prem that's unprecedented mm. so Super, super excited to
1: see where where this is going to go. And and so what happens to Windows Server now? What Uh, role does Windows Server, the operating system, play in all of this?
3: The Windows Server is still a core operating system today. Um, It's not front and center in all this stuff because it's got its its place as the operating system, uh, and it brings some great features. But actually, the management capabilities and the services on top of that are what matter now, not the OS itself.
1: So, what what if you were to be interested in this entire like hybrid, the new hybrid offering from Microsoft? Where would I start in finding out? Okay, how I'm on I'm on premises now. I have my servers, and now how it looks. What would be the first step for me to take to
3: see? Okay, which of these offering is right for me? So you have to understand what your use case is. You have to understand what you can and can't do. If you can use public Azure, if you don't have any data sovereignty or regulatory compliance constraints, if you don't have any bandwidth constraints, if you're not generating masses of data at the edge and need to process that at the edge, then look into the services in public Azure because they're going to be the most evergreen, the best, the uh, biggest, the most scalable, the the most highly available. Those are the best ones to use. So if you can use public Azure, use the services there. And with Azure Arc, you can extend that back to manage your on-premises as well. If for some reason you can't, then you want to be looking into Azure Stack Hub then to, to bring Azure Resource Manager on-premises. Uh, so you can start taking advantage of some of these services like uh, Azure App Service, Azure Functions and the IaaS capabilities as well, which is a different f- feature set than virtualization.
1: I also have, uh, I at one point asked you a question that may sound like you will be allowed to do advertising now. But to me that was a really vital question to understand. So you have all of these offerings when it comes to Azure Stack Hub. Your employer uh, does one Azure Stack Hub and there are other hardware partners that does theirs. And basically you run the exact same software on top of all of these. So what's the difference in terms of hardware and why would I buy one kind of Azure Stack Hub and not another one?
3: It's, it's a good question because you might think, yes, it's just the same, it's always the same it's just the Microsoft hardware different on logo. top of. Yeah, yep. exactly. But the, the truth is actually very different from that. So first of all, it's in how we design, operate and develop the Azure Stack Hub. So we have set specific SKUs that we allow you to purchase, uh, which are designed to work best with Azure Stack Hub and we test every single update on every single instance of this we have. You can't just come to us and say, I want this server with this RAM and this CPU. We've designed these to run Azure Stack Hub workloads. Because you can't choose what VMs you're going to run on there like you can in VMware or Hyper-V, right? You have the A series, the D series, the uh, specific ratios of CPU, RAM, and storage there, and we know what those are. So we make sure that the hardware fits those as well so that you'll never run out of one versus the other. But it's also about Azure Resource Manager and that is the critical point here and what we're doing which no one else is doing is integrating additional systems into Azure Resource Manager. So we're integrating our Isilon storage, our data domain backup storage and others over time into ARM so that you can manage these from within the Azure Stack Hub portal and make use of them from there. That's one of the most important things that we're doing just now that no one else is doing. It's all about ARM and we're integrating our other services into there as well. Because Azure Stack Hub doesn't live in a silo on-premises, there's other stuff you have in your data centers as well. and Making sure that Azure Stack Hub can be that hub that manages all those as well is critical to our strategy. We've also done some other interesting things around uh, form factors. So we were the, only, uh, the first and only to, to deliver a tactical ruggedized Azure Stack Hub yep. as well. Uh, so you can take it out into military situations or disaster relief zones designed for two-man lift. So you can literally take Azure Stack Hub anywhere. Now, anywhere you can power it, you can take it, uh, which is extremely powerful as well. Because yeah. that's the point of Azure Stack Hub, right? It's to take Azure services where you can't otherwise have them. Yeah. And with the ruggedized tactical Azure Stack from uh, my employer, yeah. uh, you can do that.
0: And that, that's, I think you kind of said something very important there, that the Azure, Hub, the, the Azure Stack Hub is not designed to run in on its own. It's, it's designed to run together with other pieces of hardware. And that was a piece of the puzzle that I had not quite grasped. I thought it was its own thing, standing by the side,
1: the awkward guy in the back of the bar. <laughs> but okay. B- that basically, like a V block did back in the days. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it's great looking still, but it, it was basically you airlifted that humongous black box into somewhere and it stood there by itself. Mm. And that's. When I asked this, you this the first time, that was a r- revelation for me as well, that it's actually vital that everything surrounding the Azure Stack Hub is taken care of. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about any disaster relief and that kind of stuff, um, mostly because of my background. I used to be a paramedic. So do you have any, any examples of where you have actually lugged this behemoth out in the real world and plumped it down somewhere and, and done Good stuff with it.
3: So the answer to that is yes, but uh, not allowed to talk about those <laughs> instances, oh, <okay>. unfortunately. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no,
0: nope. and I'm, I'm curious: uh, this are going to become public, you think, or is it
3: not? D- due to the nature of these things and the industries ah. using them, probably yeah. not. Right, right, probably not. But these are critical use cases which are being used in the real world today. Yeah. I say that.
0: That is that is super cool. Go well, I,
2: I can actually appreciate it not becoming a public thing because. You would pretty much take advantage of a disaster situation to make you know I hear you yeah. look good. So I yeah. hear you.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, who is the workplace person in our unholy trio? Thry- uh, thryo? Um, thryo? thryo. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Thryo, Simon? It's the same. I
0: no. <laughs> I'm the unholy <laughs> trinity. Okay. Trinity, yes, thank I'm. You. I'm <laughs> the only one allowed <laughs> creating new
1: new words here today. Yeah. Y- did you hear about his new word? No. No. To
0: tell. Uh, so I, w- I was on stage. I did a session this morning, and and I said, uh, you can increase and you can decrease. So apparently there is now a, a word decreasing your your yeah. workload. Yeah, we, we are decreasing <laughs> <in> complexity.
3: <laughs> you can so a VM skill set can increase and, and decrease. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay, Makes got sense.
1: Yeah. Yep. Moving back to our holy trinity or unholy trinity or whatever trinity.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Simon.
1: I think we broke him again. <laughs> Win- Windows Virtual Desktop just announced uh, support for Azure Stack Hub, Yes, which absolutely. has been a huge ask and I'm very happy to see it coming. Uh, how is it now with graphic acceleration in Azure Stack Hub? What's happening there?
3: Uh, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. So this okay. came with another announcement, yeah. which is GPU support for Azure Stack Hub as well. So two different types of GPU. There are NVIDIA GPUs yeah. and AMD GPUs oh in there. Oh, you get
1: the AMD ones yeah. as well. Cool. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. So we've announced um, private previews of those now. So um, our customers can sign up for a private preview of that and yeah. uh, test the GPU functionality there, which is really important, as you say, for WVD. Yeah. Actually, WVD is interesting because... As a service, it's not come in its entirety to Azure Tech Hub. No. What's come there is the workers themselves. The yep. management is still done for public Azure today. So this is one of those instances where they decouple the workload from the management plane and say, Okay, we can run this bit on premises and this bit in yeah. the public cloud and that's hybrid. That's real true hybrid. And it's it's really cool, interesting stuff. And it's taking advantage of the Azure Resource Manager features on, on Azure Tech Hub to make that possible. So things like VM scale sets are needed for W V D to do the scaling there effectively. Yeah, we we can talk about that another time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of cool, yeah. And and, and I just realized one thing. Let's again go back to the cruise ship, and they're going to be out there for a while since there are always patches coming out for Azure. Everything is evergreen. That means that your Azure stack, whatever version it is, is going to deviate from whatever is up in the re- real big Azure. How difficult is it f- to do to servicing when you come into port and you start to upgrade all things? How do you yeah. do that?
3: Uh, yeah, it's important to um, understand the API versions between these things when you're writing applications for them or managing them. So yes, public Azure is always evergreen and going faster, but we always maintain consistent API levels with public Azure as well. So they're always the same API versions that you can target in both public Azure and Azure Tech Hub, even if Azure is moving faster. In terms of updates, we get an update for Azure Tech Hub basically every month. Sometimes less, sometimes Mm -hmm. more, uh, depending on what's released. Um, And if you're in a connected scenario, that just appears in your portal and says there's an update. You choose when to update, you click go, and it orchestrates the entire thing end-to-end for you, which is ridiculously cool. No tenant downtime at all, just click go, and off it goes, which is a ridiculously time saver there, which is awesome. If you're in a disconnected scenario, though, or an intermittently connected scenario where you can't do it uh, like that, you um, you have to up apply these updates every uh, three months, or you fall out of support. That tends to not be a problem ah. okay. um, for cruise ships; they tend to be in port uh, within that uh, time. Yeah, there, there's that. A- and we can sideload those updates in. So you've downloaded the one to like a USB drive, you import that into the blob storage in the Azure Stack Hub, and then you click go, and off it goes.
1: And speaking about servicing, um, graphic acceleration options will that be? Would it be possible to? if you have an Azure Stack Hub today, to put in graphic cards in an existing one or would you need to scale out to more nodes or how does that work if uh, you want the graphic acceleration part?
3: it's a good question and the answer to that is it needs to be a new yep. scale unit effectively. And that's the same with ways they do th- things in public Azure today, yep. right? They don't put new things into the existing hardware. They drop a new uh, stamp in there with new hardware and new capabilities. So it's consistent with how they do it in public Azure as well. Yep.
0: So how, how large is in an, an Azure Hub, uh, Azure Hub stack, I was about to say that I mean an Azure <laughs> stack Hub. What's the smallest footprint you can do it? If we don't talk like, about like the physical the size, yeah, physical. We we're not talking about the the ruggedized one.
3: Yep. So the smallest is um, is a four node, so four one one-use servers plus switches plus a management server.
0: Oh. Oh, you don't have any s- any extra storage at all. It's all included. It's, it's, in
3: it's all hyper converged and there, oh. all the storage is in the Azure Stack Hub itself,
0: and the hardware is by your
3: employer. It's it's available from multiple OEMs. Sure, sure. Yeah.
0: But is is the exact same server? Can I use buy that just as a, a, a node and, and use it for something else, or is it a specific Azure Stack hardware?
3: The, there are standard uh, servers that we use for other products, but firmwares and things like that are designed for the Azure Stack Hub. This comes as an appliance. It's best not to think of it as individual hardware components that oh you're right, buying. Yeah. Think of it like you're buying a SAN or yeah. you're buying another appliance. You're buying this appliance to give you Azure on-premises. So it's not hardware that you install something on. It is cloud in a box that you, you drop on-premises and you have that there. Uh, Lifecycle managed, the updates are very easy, and you have Azure Resource Manager on-premises within a couple of weeks. Yeah. And that's it.
2: But still a pretty impressively small footprint actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Like for one use, that's nothing.
0: Now, and then what kind of performance are you looking at? For how many CPUs do you, can you fit in all these four?
3: We we have a, a variant which is um, a four socket variant, so you can have four sockets of many, many 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 cores in there. We can have up to one and a half terabytes of RAM per host. We can have hundred terabytes or so of storage per host. We can go up to sixteen hosts in a rack. You can get a pretty hefty footprint in here.
0: Yeah. It it, it does not happen often that I get speechless, but, yeah, no, I
1: have nothing. Holy cow. (laughs) Wow. So, other than we have spoken about Arc, we have spoken about Azure Stack Hub. What else are you excited of during this
3: event? The the thing I'm most excited about just now is this Surface Pro X sitting (laughs) (laughs) on the table (laughs) (laughs) in front of me.
2: Damn it, Simon.
1: (laughs) I must mention that I was the first one in line, and I got the first Surface Pro X at Microsoft Ignite 2019. Well, on that bombshell, I think it's actually time
0: to end. We're running out of time. Kenny, thank you so much for joining us. This, as as always, has been very, very um, informative. Um, what always happens when I sit down with these gentlemen is that they find someone to talk about something that I don't know anything about. And at the end of the day, I have learned so much. So, again, thank you very much for coming on.
3: Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: So, thanks for listening to our podcast. We recorded it at Microsoft Ignite, and Microsoft is giving away Microsoft Service Earbuds to our listeners. To enter, visit https://aka.ms/podcastsweepstakes. Before December 15th, in 2019, and you can actually win Microsoft Service Earbuds. Good luck. Bye. 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 Bye.